This is the Jocko Underground Podcast, number 68. Echo Charles sitting here. This is an Echo Charles topic. And and it's a topic that, look, you send me a lot of topics. Yes. Most of them I don't. Most of them don't make the cut. I'm just being straight up. You reject them. I reject them. Yes, sir. Because some of them I don't really get. <laughs> so, right. Some of them like right. I don't understand how that's interesting, but <laughs> okay. but right. you know we're flowing with it. Okay, but I will say this: last two undergrounds have been your input. Okay, All right. So we're you know progress is being made. We'll say outstanding. <laughs> but this one, what's interesting about this one? This is something something that you've heard me say. Yes, which is your kids won't be what you want them to be. They'll be who they are as a topic and it's something that we've talked about before that your kids and if you have more than one kid you know that your kids they're they're genetically predisposed to be a certain way like they're just going to be a certain way you can influence that way somewhat mm-hmm. but sometimes man they're going to be just different yeah. and in my opinion the more you try and control them, the more they possibly can rebel mm-hmm. against that thing, that ideal that you're trying to push them towards. Now here's why I was, why I think this is a good subject. Cause that's one part of the topic. Here's the, when you take that topic right there, to me it's not just about for kids. This is about humans, this is about all people. Mm. And while we do have influence over people, our kids, our employees, our bosses, our peers, we have influence, you have influence over all kinds of people. Mm-hmm. But they are gonna be who they are. And you, if you try and get them to change by imposing on them, it's not going to work as effectively as you might wish. Mm-hmm. Hey look, is there a small, tiny percentage of the population that is just, hey, will you will you coach me? Will you mentor me? And they really want it and they really will. There's a tiny percentage of the population that are like that. Tiny. Mm-hmm. It's tiny. Yeah. Most people are like, oh, oh, will you coach me? But I got my own way of doing things. You know, or oh, will you coach me? Because I think I can learn from you and then make it better. Like that's the way most people think. Mm-hmm. So the best way to influence people is through the indirect methodology. What do I mean by that? Setting a good example. I think this is so powerful. And what's really hard about this one is it takes years. People have to see you for a long time setting a certain example before they go, you know what, that's a pretty good way of doing things. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't, they don't go, wow, that was cool. I respect the way Echo's handling that relationship. I'm gonna do the same thing. It doesn't work like, occasionally, but most of the time, you just set an example and over time it osmoses it into people's brains. If you're overbearing with the example, then it becomes, then, then you become like you're flexing your example all the time and you're trying to show how good you are at this thing. It, it becomes off-putting and it's not gonna help. If you wanna influence someone indirectly, you gotta build a relationship with them, right? And how do you build a relationship? Trust, listen, respect, and influence. This is something we talk all the time about at the Echelon Front. 
if you, if I want to influence you, I got to allow you to influence me. If I want you to trust me, I got to trust you. If I want you to listen to me, I got to listen to you. This is what we talk about all the time. By the way, this applies with your kids. By the way, this applies with your employees, your peers, your bosses, everybody. Asking earnest questions. Another important methodology for steering people. It's so much better to say, hey, where are you trying to get to? Than to say, take a right. Mm. Or take a left. Or keep going in that same direction now. It's, look, that works more while we're driving a car. Even when you're driving a car, by the way, that can piss people off. You know, like, hey, you're, hey you need to take a left here. Well, bro, what are you talking about? You don't even know where we're going. I'm driving. Mm-hmm. I have my GPS up. What are you talking about? Why are you talking to me? <laughs> that can be offensive. Just t- trying to tell someone the d- road directions can piss people off. Mm-hmm. Right? That's why there's a literal term for it, backseat driver. There's an actual term we have for don't freaking directly tell people how to drive because it pisses them off. Mm. Hey, you need to slow down. Hey, you need to speed up. Hey, you need to back off. Say that to my wife <laughs> while she's driving. I dare you. Okay. I dare you to say, uh, uh, hey, you're, you're a little close to that car. I dare <laughs> you to say that to her. Sweet. See what happens. Mm. How, see how that direct effort to influence my wife on how far she's tailgating somebody from. Yeah. Right? You know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying, sir. Yes. How does Big Ten. How does Sarah Charles react to these scenarios? Um, well, it's been a while. Um, well, since you've, you yes, learned that lesson learned early on. Very early you on. You know not to, yeah. not, we're not playing. She hasn't learned it, but, oh, you know. Well, see, even Echo Charles gets a little heated. <laughs> Everybody gets heated with direct. Well, so that's, it's weird. I, that's such a perfect <laughs> metaphor. Yeah. No one likes to get told how to drive. Yeah. Now you think they want to get told how to live? Yeah. It doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, have you ever told someone, hey, you should, you should, don't tailgate so close. And they were like, oh, thanks for telling me. I'll back off a little bit. Yeah. Does that happen in your life? Never. It's never it's happened never. in my life. No. I was with a friend of mine. He got cut off by a motorcycle. Brutal. And, and like the guy like kind of flipped him off. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And my friend was driving and started driving exceedingly fast. Oh, to chase him. To chase him. And and got to him mm. and started following him at like the most insanely dangerous de- uh, proximity. Mm. And I'm like, bro, stop what you're doing. This is not, like, didn't help at all. <laughs> Did, in fact, he accelerated, Damn. right? Yeah. Yep. Thankfully, we had to turn off the highway. Yeah. But I was like, dude, but but this is such a perfect example because you know you're dri- you know your wife is driving too close to that vehicle. Yeah, you know it. That's so true. But she doesn't want to hear that shit from you. No. So that's the way life is. And when you try and direct people and from the backseat driver, mm-hmm. that's the reason why. You're the backseat driver and they don't want to hear it. So what you have to do is you have to use the indirect approach. Mm-hmm. That's what you have to do. So you say, uh, you know, hey, what kind of car is that? Did they cut you off? So you say, you say that. Mm-hmm. Well, no, 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 they didn't cut me off. Oh, I was just wondering because you're like right up on them. You might get away with that. that even that might be too direct, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So asking earnest questions, building relationships, that's the way we have to focus this. If you want to influence people to change their 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 behavior in life and their methodology for driving, 
<laughs> you have to take the indirect approach. Yeah. Now, here's another positive way to get this done. Give people ownership. Hmm. Give people ownership. People like to be their own boss. Most people. I'm going to say 70% of people like to have ownership. They like to have control. Actually, more than that. In life, everybody wants to have control over their life. 99, 97% of people want to have control over what's going on. So when people in their life, when you give them responsibility, it's, it's positive for them. When you say, and I, I answered a question like this on the academy today. It's like, oh, we're in a work in an industry where you can't give them any ownership. Bullshit. Even in the most stringent of businesses or industries, like nuclear power, one of the strictest industries that we work with, nuclear power. If there's a protocol for how you enter a building, hey, there's, the, there's and I go, and you're the guy that's in charge of the building, and I say, hey, here's the protocol, follow the protocol, you have a little grudge. You have a little grudge. Now, if I say, hey, Echo, here's a protocol we've been using in the past. I know you just got here. Let me know if there's any changes that you think need to be made. This is what we've been using. All of a sudden, you are stoked. I gave you ownership. I gave you ownership of an existing protocol. But I gave it to you instead of saying, hey, instead of imposing it on you, I I gave you ownership of it. So if you could do that in life, it's going to help people in a big way to take ownership. And then what you do is you can ask questions about where they're going. And you know, we had an interesting conversation with uh, Chris Voss. And he pointed out the fact, which I agree with, that the word why is an accusatory word, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, why are you doing this? Why are you tailgating that car? Yeah. That's a, it's an accusatory word, mm-hmm. which is an interesting scenario because as you know, at Echelon Front and from a leadership perspective, we talk a lot about explaining the why. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to explain the why so that you would think that, okay, then you also should be asking why. But I agree with the fact that asking someone, hey, why are you doing it like that, can put people defensive immediately. Yeah. So instead, if you say something like, hey, what, you know, hey, what's your end goal that you're trying to achieve here? Or what is it you're trying to get to? Or you know, hey, how does this fit? Hey, how, how, does, this, how does this fit in your long-term goals? Mm-hmm. If you can ask those kind of questions, they can be less accusatory. And some of them you could still ask accusatory questions, doesn't matter what words you use, so you have to be careful. But asking earnest questions about where people are going that help them discover the truth is the, the way to go. And treating, here's, here's uh, two similarities in life. So, you know, I wrote about leadership strategy and tactics. One of my favorite methodologies for training people mm. is putting them in leadership positions. Because what you do when you do that is you, you, you give them responsibility, you give them ownership, and it's a positive thing. It's the same methodology that I have for kids, which is if you treat kids like an adult, it gives them responsibility, it makes them step up. Mm-hmm. Now look, I'm not saying you, you know, throw them out in the streets and say, <laughs> figure it out. Mm-hmm. But to say, oh, you gotta make your own breakfast in the morning. I'm not making your lunch before. You, you know, if your kid is, I can't think of the exact age, maybe six or seven years old, they should be able to make their own lunch for school. 
You got to say, I can't remember the ages. Yeah. What do you think? Six years old? Make my, your own lunch? My boy will not can't make his own lunch at this time. He's six. But what but if you what if know. you trained him? Yeah, I, I could train him for sure. So but, right now you're just letting him suffer. <laughs> yeah, that's one way to put it for sure. No, I mean you're letting you're making him come dependent. Yes, that is one way to put it. Yeah. Put it this way, actually now that I'm thinking about this consciously in this direct way for the first time, I pr- yes, I probably could Begin the training process yeah. for you that. Definitely it's about so, now, yeah. So let's say six years old, you begin the training process for you make your own lunch. Yeah. You get your own clothes out. Yeah. You have your book bag packed. Yes. When you're ready to go, you come tell me mm. that it's time to go to school. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This is the opposite of what everyone else is like, hey, you gotta go. Hurry up, get your shoes on. Yeah. We gotta go. No. Maybe that's eight. Might be only because, well, then again, I'm only thinking about my, I've only had one, well, I've had a six-year-old daughter before too, but I can't remember that. That was a while ago. But currently, if I say, this is my prediction because I haven't done it yet, but if I say, hey, you tell me when you're ready, oh, we're late, 100% probability we're late. Then you have to be able to deal with the consequences. Okay, hey, son, you're late. That means you're going to get in trouble at school. That means you're not going to be able to go to recess. That's not on me. That's on you. You're responsible. And you start to treat kids like an adult and they'll start to take responsibility and take ownership. And that is how you get your kids to be who they are, but to be the the best version of themselves that you can hope for. Yeah. That's my recommendation. Yeah, you you I got this idea from from you directly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was like once I kind of accepted that, you know, because. Bro, I was like one of the, one of the many people who was like, you know, before you have kids, you see other people have kids. You're like, yeah, I'm gonna be like, for lack, of, I mean, put maybe uh, to simplify it, I'm be like, eh, I'm not gonna make those mistakes. Mm-hmm. Like one of your, I got it kind of figured out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know what I'm gonna yeah. do, you know. So, and I think that's a common thing for sure. And then when you get in, you know, the first, you know, the expression from Mike Tyson, he said, yeah, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. So yeah. it was really that. Really, yeah. it was like. It was one step from that, in my opinion, how it felt. Where, yeah, when you're in it, bro, you, bro, these kids are acting all different than I expected. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I just thought, oh yeah, all I got to do is be consistent and say this, and you know, whatever. But it doesn't even work. They got like, their own brains. Not even close. I was like, dang. And certain things that were working, that I was like, that would never work. But it's like, oh shit, it's interesting how that works so easily. So, so it, it's it's hard. There's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> we'll say. Um, and then here's the part that it's hard to even predict even a little bit is we all think we're going to be perfect. Well, not we all, but in my case, I kind of maybe subconsciously thought I was going to just handle everything perfect. Why would I lose the temper of a kid? It's just a kid. Why would I get mad at that? Why would I get frustrated? You know, it's just a kid. But man, you're like a human. I'm a human being too, you know, and I'm not going to be perfect 100% of every interaction, every minute of every day. Like that's not going to happen, obviously. And then, Quite frankly, it's not even going to come close to that. So you're going to react in certain ways, sometimes right, sometimes wrong, and then that's going to influence them in a certain way and make them develop in a certain way. So it's like, bro, there's no way you can just make them be who you want to be. Bro, they're going to be who they're going to be. So you're not going to be perfect. They're not going to be perfect as far as your little plan kind of a thing. And man, the the student, when I accepted that, I was like, bro, there's so many factors. And man, all you can do is literally like do the best you can, kind of thing. Yep. Learn as much as you can, for sure. Yep. The, and, now, just to point out to everybody, this is not surrender. Yeah. It's not going well. The hell with it. I mean, my kids. No. The most, the best way to have the most. Po- 
positive influence over your kids to steer them in the right direction and give them the best possible life is by taking this methodology. If you do the like, well, I just need to go harder, your kids are gonna rebel more. That's what you have to watch out for. And listen, you're their parent and you can beat them into submission metaphorically. Mm -hmm. Like you can just be like, no, you will do this. You will do this. And they're going to eventually strike back. Mm -hmm. And there's a balance to find. There's a balance to find because you can't not push them at all because mm-hmm. you have to say, hey, look, I know you don't you know, want to uh, uh, do gymnastics, yeah. but you got to go at least a couple times a week. It's sort of the baseline of what we're doing and it's non-negotiable. I'm not going to make you do nine classes a week or whatever. You pick the thing, mm-hmm. right? And you got to find that balance because some, with some kids at some moments, at some phases of their life, two times a week is too much. Mm-hmm. At some phases of their life, nine times a week is fine that you're pushing them. Mm-hmm. So you gotta really pay attention and modulate your be- your behavior, still being consistent, but just showing that you're listening to them. Mm-hmm. How are they gonna listen to you if you don't listen to them? When they say, I hate going to gymnastics. Mm-hmm. And, you say, and you don't explain the why, but you say, yeah, but you have to do it. Mm-hmm. Shut up and do what I told you to do. <sighs> it's a bad move, so. Trust, listen, respect, influence. You can do that with kids. And if you if you lean towards that moment where you say, yeah, but you know what? At the end of the day, they're my kids and they gotta do what I say. You're right and you're wrong. You're right in that they do. You're wrong if you think that's gonna benefit your relationship, their, their growth, their competency in the future is all gonna be negatively affected. And again, are there times you have to do that? Yes, there are. But use caution. Use caution. You know, when you put a plant in the ground, you gotta put water on it. If you put too much water on it, it dies. When you put a plant in the ground and it starts to grow, you gotta get it in the sun. If you give it too much sun, it dies. So just like everything else, we talk about all the time, there's a dichotomy to all these things. And the way to... Pay att- the way to, to balance these is to pay attention to what's happening, to listen to what the kids have to say, to allow them to influence, to put trust in them, to treat them with respect, and that's where you're gonna make progress with your kids. And by the way, like I said, this doesn't just apply to kids, it applies to humans. Mm. All right, let's get to some questions. First question. Hello, Jocko Echo. While listening to the latest episode of the Underground Podcast, I, it sparked a question. From a pretty young age, I began to realize that people who were more emotional could very easily be taken advantage of. To me, I saw showing too much emotion as a weakness, and I've gotten to the point where I show very little emotion at all, including sadness, anger, and even happiness is hard to show for me most of the time. Do you think you can become too far detached from your emotions would you advise to try and get back in tune with my emotions? Thank you. Yeah, um, obviously, first question, anyone that kind of has read a bunch of the work we do. Uh, first question, yes, you can get too detached from your emotions. This is why we wrote the dichotomy of leadership, because we have to find balance in everything. When people are too detached from emotions, it causes detachment from other people. And when you're detached from other people, ultimately, you're gonna make bad decisions. You're gonna make bad decisions because you're not paying attention to p- 
keep other people's emotions, your emotions, and those things uh, are gonna come back and bite you. So yeah, you gotta get back in tune with your emotions if you feel like you're totally detached. I mean, this is, the same thing happens with some military guys. They come back and they've had to kind of shut down their emotions and they now they're now they're not showing any emotions. It's a problem. So you gotta get back, yes, in the way the phrase used in tune with your emotions. Opposite of a detachment, right? We gotta step into these scenarios. Focus on the micro. Right? Focus on the micro. Focus on the tactical thing that's happening right in front of you. Fo- focus on that relationship. Ignore the red flags that usually make you step back, <laughs> right? Allow yourself to get a little caught up in the emotions of events. And and probably the key to this is to try and understand what other people, what emotion other people are having, why they're having those feelings, where those feelings are coming from. And then once you do that, you can start to weigh emotions more heavily into your decision-making calculus. Because if you're making decisions without putting emotions into the calculus, you're gonna make bad decisions. Because if Echo's really mad about something, and I got a task for him to do, and he doesn't, he's pissed off that he's gonna have to do this task, and I say, hey Echo, here's the task, go do it. And he, I didn't take into the calculus that he's mad about this task, he's not gonna do a good job. So I have to say, hey, Echo, look, I know you're really mad about this. I'm kind of mad too, but here's what we got to get done. I'm going to come and help you with it. Boom. All of a sudden, I've taken the, the, the emotion into the calculus. But certainly something we have to watch out for, and I've said this since day one, since day one, detach from your emotions, but that doesn't mean become void of emotion. Because if you're void of emotion, you become a robot. People don't follow robots. Open up your mind a little bit. Don't and oh yeah, don't overcorrect. Oh, because okay, people yeah. go oh, now. I'm just going to focus on emotions all the time. No, right, just right. be chill. Yeah, but don't don't overcorrect and now start getting all emotional all the time. I doubt you'll do that because reaching that level of stoicism takes a pretty good effort, and it feels uncomfortable getting super emotional. But yeah, you got to get you got to get bring them back a little bit, man. Bring them back. Um, another, because you say I learned that early on from you. Mm-hmm. So and through my uh, practice, we'll say mm-hmm. in the field of detaching and whatnot. Um, uh, another like mental exercise, it'd be like, um, and this might just be semantics or just another way to put it in your head is don't take it personal, right? So totally. it's like, even if it maybe it maybe come off like it was inten- intentionally p- personal, if you don't take it personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just like detaching essentially. Yeah. But I, leadership strategy and tactics. There's a whole section called "Don't take it personal." Yeah, because once you take it personal, it's like, oh, you, oh, you, you're gonna say that to me, and then you, it's like you almost, actually, you do straight up mentally jump right off task. Oh, yeah. into like the personal space for sure. Yeah, I don't take anything personally. Yeah, and this is be one of those things where you feel that you feel it when Echo goes, "Dude, you didn't do a good job on that podcast." Mm. My immediate is defense, right? I'd like to see you go and do a broad, you know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm not going to say that. Yeah. I'm going to go, oh, there's my ego. Just saw it. Yep. Hey, what, what did I mess up, man? Yeah. Let, me, let me get out my notebook and take notes on what I messed up. Yeah. In fact, <coughs> a thing you can tell yourself 
to not take it personal is, oh, they might be taking something personal. So I'm not going to make that mistake. Like if you were like, hey, you didn't. I don't know. What mistake do I make? What pretty, mistake do you make? Yeah, pretty much not. I know. But let's <laughs> say hypothetically, if I don't upload a podcast or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, hey, you didn't upload the podcast. You know, I thought we went over this, but I guess I guess I need to tell you some more or something like that. That might trigger me a little bit. Mm-hmm. But if I don't take that one personal, if I'm like, oh, Jocko might have took that one personal. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Otherwise, he would have been all salty like that. Yeah. He would have gave me a friendly reminder. Mm-hmm. That's really the best thing he could do. Right? <laughs> Which is exactly in my opinion. <laughs> hey, are we uploading that podcast today? Or are we shifting <laughs> days now? It's been six years at, at, on Wednesday, so we... We're going I, to Tuesdays. Now? I gotta admit, your uh, friendly reminders are some of the friendliest. <laughs> Even though they are laced with sarcasm and condescension and all that stuff, they are pretty friendly. Cool. cool. There you go. And funny. Next question. <laughs> I hope you're doing well. I was in a situation the other day and wanted to have your input on it. I was on the bus, and a drunk guy came to me and started a conversation with me. He just got out of prison that day after ten years. He was drunk and also had two large knives in his bag. He kept going on and on about how everybody is so scared of everything nowadays and boasting about his knives. He began to undo the Velcro on one of his knives, which made me even more nervous. Another passenger interrupted. You probably shouldn't bring that out on here. The man laughed and put it away. Then he got off the, the, at the next stop with no further incident. I kept imagining what I would do if something were to kick off, wondering what you think of this situation is there anything i could do to help deal with this the situation if something were to happen or any feedback would be great on what to do i'm planning to start bjj with my cousin as he is training for a selection of sof unit here in canada uh so yeah you plan to start training bjj that's great yep start training bjj immediately um that being said if someone pulls out a freaking knife you need to get away from them because you're going to get stabbed you're going to get cut you could possibly bleed to death so that's why when someone pulls out a knife you get out of there you need to get a weapon if if you can't get out of there you need to get some kind of a weapon whether it's a chair or whether it's an umbrella whether it's having a cane right umbrella is pretty good you know at least you can keep some distance. I need to make an umbrella, like a combat umbrella. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I do. That's actually sounds like a good idea from you. So, Jocko combat umbrella. Yeah, Jocko yeah. combat umbrella. Especially if it was a compactable one. Yeah. Like an asp. Do you know what an asp is? No. So an asp is a tool that law enforcement use, and we carried them sometimes in the SEAL teams, but it's basically a... It's a it's a telescoping rod. Oh yeah, yeah, club. The yeah. club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go, yep, you. Will, I have will, one of those. Yeah. So you whip it and it comes out, and they can get pretty long. Baton. Yeah, they're like a collapsible baton. Exactly. Yeah. So having that, have an umbrella like that, so you can be like, oh no, I'm just on the train, I'm just carrying an umbrella, and then <laughs> whack, crack. Because otherwise, I'm sure. As I said, umbrella. I was kind of like, oh, a lot of people would be like, dude, what are you gonna do with an umbrella? Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, that's kind of lame. The first thing I think of is like the kind where it's like a sword. Yeah, well, that might be. Yeah. Those are like canes. There's canes that are. Swords. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but pepper spray, mace, something like this. So when someone has a knife, this is not a. This is a horrible thing. It's a horrible situation for you. Uh. And you can see there's a random drunk dude that just got out of jail walking around with a knife. You can get a knife at Walmart. Like I can literally walk into Walmart right now or Target or any just about any store and get a freaking knife. 
I can walk into a restaurant and get a, a, a steak knife that I can easily kill everybody with. So a knife is a real problem and they're everywhere. Uh, so that means that you, you have to have some kind of a weapon. If you can, I know you're in Canada, bro. I don't know. I think there's all kinds of crazy laws about what you can carry as far as weapons, like firearms go. But I don't think you're in a good spot for firearms. If you were, I would say get one of those too. So you need to, maybe you can get mace up there. Maybe you can get pepper spray up there. I don't know. Uh, but yes, and then you train jujitsu, you train boxing, you train, train Muay Thai, you train wrestling. Okay, you start getting good at that. Good at getting good at hand-to-hand combat with other humans. And then you start training with weapons. Fake knives. They have those shock knives. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, you know so Craig? Yeah, yeah. Craig up in Washington, cop. Yeah, I know me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He got those shock knives, you know, where mm-hmm. if you get hit with it, it shocks you. Mm-hmm. But it shows you, bro, if someone's got a knife, you're probably going to get cut. Yeah. In fact, you're going to get cut. You have to assume you're going to get cut. Mm-hmm. But but when you train with them, you can start to figure out some tr- strategies. You can start to figure out where, if you have to get cut, where is a good place to get cut? Where do we want to avoid getting cut? How do we manage distance when someone has a knife? A- and why not to fight some? One of the biggest lessons you'll learn if you train in knife fighting is why you don't want to fight someone that has a knife. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, someone has a knife, call the freaking cops. Someone drunk idiots talking about acting, he's acting crazy and he's gonna pull out a knife. Like you need to call the cops on this dude before he stabs somebody. But all this training that I'm talking about, look, it's not gonna turn you into freaking Bruce Lee ninja that's gonna, that's gonna freaking be able to disarm this guy. With, it's not gonna do that. But it will make you better prepared. It will make you understand the conflict better. It'll make you better at the applications of violence. It'll make you understand the whole scenario better. Like right now, you're just confused, bro. You didn't know what the hell to do, which is fine. I'm not trying to be a dick, but you're looking at a guy that has knives like you're just sitting there like talking to him, you know? And who knows? Maybe in this particular situation, I can't see the guy's face. You know, sometimes you, if you start acting scared, he's going to get bolder. So maybe you did the right thing. But the more you do this kind of stuff, the better prepared you're gonna be for these situations. Someone with a knife is no joke. There is no, there is no ninja move to overcome someone with a knife. Can you handle it better if you have training than if you don't? You absolutely can. You absolutely can. So start training with jujitsu, yes, that's great, and then train boxing and train Muay Thai and train wrestling and then eventually train with weapons and start to figure out some, some knife fighting techniques and firearm techniques. This, this, I, this is all good. But here's the thing. Hopefully, you'll never see another person with a knife in a threatening manner again. But if you do, you're gonna be more prepared. And even if you don't, your life is gonna be better. All this training that I'm talking about is going to make you better. It's going to work your reflex and work your confidence. It's going to work your your uh, physical capabilities, your flexibility. It's going to help everything in life, everything. So go train. The other passenger in this story did a very good thing. Yeah, yeah. Where he was like, so there's a technique in, you know, I used to be a bouncer. The Dalton of my time, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. And so, so de-escalation is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> um, so, and I told you, I think I told you this story where my uh, my friend slash boss Tony, 
he there's this big dude who he would always come in huge he, he was huge he was like six three six four two sixty maybe mm-hmm. like a bit and muscle he's a big muscle dude and um always cool though but he'd like push the rules he'd come kind of late and stay kind of late we'd always have to ask him to leave like that kind but always cool he gets into like this shouting match with a guy like almost gets into a fight where he wants to fight this guy so tony grabs him by his arm and he's like trying to trying to flick off tony's arms but tony's saying yelling something to him he's like hey don't act like this so you can at least come back basically like jumped on his side saying like hey like don't act like this like so you can come back like so you know so he's thinking making him think ahead like all this stuff totally de-escalating in that way it's not like he's like don't be dumb he's not saying that kind of stuff he's not just saying break it up that's like real right here right now and the guy is right here right now he's mad he sees the guy in front of him so that's that's not going to help as good as making this guy think beyond just right now in that he in Mm -hmm. the heat of moment too so he's like hey so he kind of looks beyond the right here right now so this passenger when he's like hey i wouldn't pull that out on here yeah. on the yeah. bus good so it's kind of like sure. oh wait a second it's beyond just my little bragging and boasting the guy's acting all unpredictable mm. you know so he kind of like gets um kind of brought down to earth a little bit yeah. where it's like oh wait i'm gonna make a scene on this bus and you know and that being said and again these guys are there that could also escalate yeah we're talking yeah, about you, me you, what and to all do. Of a sudden you oh, get yeah, the adri- yeah, you, true, you huh? get the direction yeah. or you get the attention yeah, from this true. freaking psycho with a knife right mm. Uh, go train. train. Training everything, man. That's what we got. Next question. If oh, okay, next question. I'm someone who struggles with saying no to my team members' requests. I want to be helpful and provide support where needed. However, I fear that doing this too much will lead to people taking advantage of my generosity to get me to bear with to bear their own burdens at the cost of my own duties. I know you said that the, said that the key principle to have is to be balanced. So where do I draw the line between making sacrifices for one or two team members and making them bear their own burdens so that my job doesn't suffer? Uh, I mean, first of all, let's make sure that we're building good relationships with people so that they understand, so that so that you can actually talk to them and have legitimate good conversations about what's happening with them, which is which is really important because when you know if echo comes to me he's like hey can you cover me on this part of the task and i'm like yeah cool got it and then he does that again and he does that again at some point i got to say hey man just so you know like when you asked me to do this stuff i man i've been staying till like seven o'clock at night trying to hammer this stuff out and i i i'm not sure what's going on with you but i I'm trying to cover for you, but like I can't do this all the time because you know I got my kid in soccer mm-hmm. and wrestling, and I got to go to those practices sometimes just to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Can you? Do we need more support at the team? Should we talk to our you know our supervisor and see if there's a you know maybe we need some more manpower down here or something? So you see what I'm doing? You try and build those relationships and explain that you're you're happy to help, but you also have to explain what the limitations are and what the sacrifices are. And, and then over time, you can hopefully wean them off of why they're at. I mean, you can honestly, you can kind of make it painful for people to ask you to do stuff. You know, it's like, well, even just talking to them for a little while is painful <laughs> sometimes. Um, but over time, you can wean them off of that. And, and, you can, and you do that by just saying, yeah, you know, I can help you out with the project, but I can't get it done until next week. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, I can help you out with the project, but you're going to have to 
cover for me in the morning. So you're just you're just starting to negotiate a little bit and and make them see what it is that they're asking for. And I the other thing you could do is like bring it up during the team meeting, right? Hey, you know, Echo needs some more help. Or, or hey, Echo, I'm going to bring it in the team meeting today. What are you going to bring up? Just the fact that, you know, you, you've you been needing help, so I think you probably need some more people on your team. Mm. You, you you might say, yeah, cool, that's great. You might say, no, 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 I, I got it. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. all of a sudden I'm kind of putting you on report in a positive way that you're doing so much work that you have to slough off a bunch of work on me. Mm-hmm. And this isn't done as an unhandered thing. It's real, right? If you can't do your job and you need help, so I'm going to try and get you help and bring it up in the team meeting. See what Jessica has to say. Maybe Jessica could give us some support down here. Uh, and I think if you do a combination of those things, you can eventually move to a point where you're you're getting you know Echo to start carrying his weight a little bit more. If he doesn't, well, eventually, I'm going to talk to my Jessica, my leader, and say, "Hey, Jessica, I need another person on my team. What do you need another person? Well, here's what I'm doing. Here's the overtime I put in. Here's the extra. Oh, I didn't know you were doing that. Why are you doing that? Well, Echo doesn't have time to do it. Oh, he doesn't? Why not? I'm not sure. You, you know, I talked to him about it. He just said it's, he has too much on his plate. So I'm trying to take this off his plate. And I will, but I need some more support because here's, you know, I've worked whatever, you know, nine hours of overtime every, every week this month. So I need some help. Boom. So you just open up the conversation. Let's talk to people about what's going on. Let's not see it as a big... Uh, uh, what's that word that they use? The bear in the room? What's the elephant in the room? Yeah. Don't treat it like it's the elephant in the room. Oh yeah, Echo, I got you, man. Mm. Can you can you cover for me next week though? Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm gonna do. Open good communications with people. Mm. And if you do them in the right way, take some ownership, they're not hard to have, but they'll work. That's my recommendation. That's a little thing you just added there that's Interesting, where you like, they ask you for something and you say, oh yeah, can you cover for me next week? Yeah. Right? It's kind of like a trade. Yeah. So yeah, you could kind of like, you could kind of almost invite those opportunities for a few, in a genuine way, obviously, but for a future pay payoff, right? Where it's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yes, but actually, you know what? We can hook each other up. Yeah. Like I'll hook, totally hook you up next yeah. week. Can you hook me up and have maybe a short list of things yeah. that, you know, hey, hey, that might work my, out. My kid's got a wrestling t- tournament on Thursday. I'd like to leave around noon. Can you cover for me? Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> could actually set this whole thing up. Yeah. You can Let's make your little Let's weakness cover move for each other. Let's exactly. cover and move for each other. Dang. Um, one, two, and this is going to depend on the circumstances. I use this on my kids. That's mainly the main experience I draw from. But you say if they want you to do something for them or whatever, so it's better to teach them how to do it for themselves, mm-hmm. right? So I'll, I'll be like, oh, no, no, and, but I don't want them to be offended, you know, kind of like, hey, you should be doing this yourself, you know, kind of thing. So I'll be like, hey, let me show you the technique on this. So more like mm-hmm. I'm teaching, teaching them a little tactic, you know, like it's all cool. And they listen up. Works. I like it. Not with everything, obviously, but it does work. Next question. Hey, Jocko Echo. <clears throat> I'm Canadian and Israeli. I have chronic I have a chronic neurological condition that has prevented me from military service to either of my homes. But I know service members in both. I attended Muster 007 in Chicago and that was the first time I've ever encountered people saying thank you for your service to people they've just met in the context of conversations that didn't specifically focus on their service. It seemed both ritualistic and very genuine every time I heard it. As an as automatic as saying bless you to a sneeze, but completely heartfelt and genuine at the same time. It left an impression. 
I immediately felt ungracious for not thanking service members myself because in my mind, there's no question that, I, that I've benefited from their service as much or more than any U.S. citizen. At the same time, I couldn't bring myself to say the words as I worried that it was somehow presumptuous of me to imply that their service to their country had anything to do with me. I know that in general, it's always appropriate to express gratitude, but my in intuition was making me strongly uncomfortable. This conflict has been popping up in my head occasionally for the past three years, so I'm not taking it lightly. Do you see any reason why at all, or do you see any reason at all why I should even hesitate to express thanks. Can you see any reason why it might be inappropriate? Uh, no, I don't see any reason at all not to say thanks. Um, I thank foreign military members from other country countries all the time. And I thank police and law enforcement from other countries all the time. And, and you know who else I thank? Teachers and doctors and nurses and, and business people. You know, teachers that are out there educating the next generation of human beings, doctors that are out there saving lives, nurses that are out there saving lives, business people that are out there grinding, building businesses, giving people jobs. Uh, anybody that's out there working hard to make the world a better place, I'm perfectly fine thanking them. And I don't think that anyone would think that you, Thanking people for their service in any country would be inappropriate in any way. Pretty straightforward. Yeah, but it's, I'll be honest with you, I kind of, I feel this too sometimes under certain circumstances. Almost like, it's like, and he's from Canada, so I guess, so I get it. Um, but it's almost like, and this might be put maybe not quite as accurately as I'm feeling it, but like if I'd be like, hey, thank you for your service, like I say it. And it's almost like, because, to me, and maybe it's how I grew up or whatever, but military service is like such a big deal. It's like such a like, man, that's freaking, cr you know, that's heavy, you know, kind of a thing. So it's almost like, I'm like, oh, thank you for your service. And then they'll be like, what do you know about it? Kind of a thing. Like almost like you're not worthy of like saying it or something. It's like, like kind of how he explained it. It was like, bro, I kind of feel that a little bit too sometimes. Yeah, that would feel that would be a feeling in your head, not in the head of the person you're saying thanks to. Yeah, and look, can there be someone that's all crazy that's like, oh, who the hell are you to thank for my service? You know, sure. Yeah, you might run into one out of a thousand people that are, you know, an asshole back to you. You, you know what? But I think if you're being genuine, I don't think it's an issue at all. Yeah, and and when you explain it, and even when you just think about it, try to. Detach, like take yourself it makes sense but you know what another one is too when like someone like someone else has a, like a death in the family or something and maybe i don't know i'm that good yeah. i'm sorry for your loss yeah like bro i'm like i'm not worthy of even saying it you know mm -hmm. like but but then it's like you're kind of it's a catch-22 where like if you don't say it, it's like oh you wouldn't you like insensitive I think, you know uh, yeah that's why i don't think it's a catch-22 i think it's perfectly normal to say hey i'm sorry for your loss like, yeah that's totally normal and people know that you didn't know the person that well, and you're just trying to be a polite human being, which I think is fine. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good like. Even hearing that is like, yeah, that makes complete sense, hundred percent sense. But I guess it's just a weird feeling. Yeah. And like, could you get someone that's like, how do you know what? What do you know about loss? Like, yeah, sure. exactly. You could yeah. get that. Yeah, but most likely you're not going to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People are worried about some shit, man. I don't know. Yeah, bro, it's true. It's real. It's yeah. real. No, well, that's a classic example of what can get in our own heads, right? Yeah. You know, like when when I walk into the room and you know uh, Fred doesn't say hi to me, 
Well, he didn't say hi to me because he didn't see me walk in. But what am I thinking? Oh, yeah. Fred's trying to ignore me right now because he's jealous of the fact that I got promoted. Yeah. Actually, has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the fact that Fred didn't see me walk in. Yeah. Right? But we put stuff in our own heads all the time that is all jacked up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, actually, I remember there was a time at one of the early musters where, um, you know, I think it might have been, I, I think it was JP telling the story about, um, you know, one of the guys who died and stuff. And then, like, you could tell it was like it was a heavy moment. And, bro, for better or worse, like, I'm not that heavy of a person, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, and you could tell you guys were, like, affected, all you guys, you know? And I kind of want to be honest, I kind of want to kind of give, like, you guys a hug or something. But I'm, like, I kind of felt like, bro, it's not even my place, you mm-hmm. know? Like, I'm not worthy of, of that, you know? Like, you guys experience is, like, so beyond me. So I'm, like, no. You know, it's like that kind of feeling, you know? Yeah. Well, I actually agree. Don't be walking around trying to hug me. Come on, bro. Randomly. I hug you every time I see you. <laughs> on purpose. Uh, no. Dude, a lot of this stuff is in people's heads. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So... The way it is. All right. Last question. Last question. Hey, John Crackle. You have talked before about finding a new mission for fellow veterans after their service ends. So I was hoping for some help with a similar situation. I'm 24, married, and have a very blessed life. However, I feel there is a part of me missing as I played baseball for about 17 years of life through college. My career ended due to COVID in 2020. So I felt as if it was taken away from me and I didn't get a final say in the matter. It has now been two years, and I do not feel the sense of drive or purpose that I once felt. I'm a real estate agent now, but have a hard time fully committing to this position, even though I think it would, I would be good at it. I miss the camaraderie and drive to be the best from being in athletics my whole life, being in athletics my whole life, and I feel as if nothing can fill that void completely. I feel that there is many, there are many student athletes in a similar position as me who struggle with this. Any advice on trying to find a new mission after our playing careers have ended and trying to stay on the path when things out of your control occur? Thanks for your time. Uh, okay, well, of course, I'm going to start with just go start training jiu-jitsu. <laughs> because you start training jiu-jitsu, man, there's how many crossover athletes are in jiu-jitsu? Echo Charles. All of them. It's like crazy yeah. how many people come from football, baseball, wrestling, soccer, just any any sport. It's a crossover sport, and you can come get into jiu-jitsu, and you'll love it. So start training jiu-jitsu. Um, and you know what? Beyond jiu-jitsu, there's other sports. Baseball, like you could still play baseball, some kind of pickup league. You could play softball. You could play basketball. You could play flag football. They have a freaking kickball league, right? Yeah. And again, you got jujitsu. There's also individual stuff that you can become kind of part of a tribe for running or triathlons or CrossFit or something like that. Like there's so many things that you could do to go out there and freaking get after it in the same way. And I can guarantee you as hard as you train for baseball, you start competing in jujitsu, you're going to have, you're going to be training just as hard, if not harder. So that's, that's the out of the gate, man. Don't give up on athletics because you didn't say you broke your, you blew your knee out or you freaking blew your back out or something. Sounds to me like you're a military-aged male, <laughs> healthy military-aged male, which means you are good to go. So go get in on the mats. Go get back on the field of some kind. You're going to meet new people. You're going to be able to train hard, and you can take it to a The thing that's cool about jiu-jitsu, look, if you're playing kickball, you're playing softball, it it's competitive 
You know, you can be part of a competitive like softball team. But not everyone on the team is going to be taking it, you know, as serious as you are. And the, how far can you go? Dude, in jiu-jitsu, you can legitimately go ch- compete in the world championships. Yep. The world champion. You can become a world champion in jiu-jitsu. Yes, sir. At white belt, at blue belt, at purple belt, at brown belt, and at black belt. Mm-hmm. So it's a great crossover sport for you. Um, okay, so there you go. Real estate, hey, is this the right job? This could be the right job for you. Look, real estate's competitive. It takes a lot of action. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of team, right? So it could be the right job. But I'm feeling like there's a void. So what's that void? Is there another, is there something else you should be doing or could look at? I don't know. But if real estate is the deal, awesome. Then you have a new team right there as well. Build that team, grow that team, win together. And that's kind of what we need to do here. Here, And let me give you some good, everything I just said, you're probably like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess so. Let me let me close the deal right now. You don't want to be Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite, right? <laughs> yes. You don't want to be Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. Well, when I was in college, I threw the winning whatever, mm. right? You don't want to be that guy. You want to move on in life. You want to get past it. Dude, you were a competitive athlete, man, in college, a college competitive athlete. You're an elite athlete. That's awesome. You're not in that sport anymore. Those days are over. Don't live in the past. Focus on, you know what? You can focus on, look, even if you didn't do jujitsu or other sports, now you have a new career that you can go out and dominate and kick ass in. And then you can make money and build that team and buy houses and flip houses. There's all kinds of badass things you can do. All kinds. Now look, did jujitsu or anything replace the the hole in my heart for my career in the SEAL teams? No, of course not. Of course not. I'm Uncle Rico when it comes to that, right? That, those are the highlight of my life. But I don't sit there and dwell on it and think, oh gosh, no, I don't do that. It's like, guess what I do now? I have Echelon Front, have Jocko Fuel, have Origin, have Jocko Podcast, have all these things going on. Train Jiu-Jitsu. Train Jiu-Jitsu all the time. Run, bow hunting. Got into bow hunting. We're out there shooting the bow. Out there hunting, like doing all these things. And look, they might not measure up to what I did at the highlight of my life, but I'm not worried about it. I don't feel down about it. Man, I was freaking stoked I had the opportunity. You should be stoked you had the opportunity to play ball in college. That's badass. I'm stoked I had the opportunity to be in the SEAL teams and deploy and be in combat. That's badass. Great. But I'm cool. I'm thankful, not regretful. So let's not be Uncle Rico. Let's start training jujitsu. Let's become a dominant, kick-ass real estate agent that's taken over the world with your team. That's what I got. This is um, I. I could not agree with you more with the jujitsu part yeah. of it because, I mean, cause, so baseball, there's an element of money and fame that I'm not saying that's what he's like embracing mm-hmm. or, or is why, but there is an element of money and fame that's not quite going to be there in jujitsu as much. Is there money in jujitsu? Sure. Is there some fame in jujitsu? Sure. But not like baseball mm-hmm. and these more mainstream sports or whatever. So there's that. And here's one thing you do have need the heads up with if you come from freaking 17 years of 
killing it in baseball. You're gonna have to start from the beginning, and you're gonna get your ass kicked. Yes, you're gonna get choked, man. You're gonna be white belt by, by, by a little scrawny little kid. Yep, a 15 year old kid. A f- depending, look if you're yep. if you also wrestled and you weigh 260, mm-hmm. you might not get choked by a 15 year old kid. Yes, but if you're 180 pounds. And there's a 15-year-old kid in there, and he's pretty good. He's going to choke you. Yeah, don't be surprised when that happens. Don't be surprised. Yeah. Don't be bummed out. Yeah. It's going to be okay. And that's the point where it's just as a heads up. You're going to be a white belt. good heads up. All right? So you're going to be doing white belt stuff and getting white belt happenings to you. Here's what's really cool. You are are already down-selected as a athletic human. By, By that, I mean you've already proven Mm-hmm. That you're an athletic human, so you got selected. Yeah, it's a, it's a like when you select stuff for military usage, you start off with twenty guns, mm-hmm. and then they down select to ten. Oh, okay, so you and already they, made the cut already. Yeah, they way. down select, down select, down select. Finally, we get two guns left, and we pick our final gun uh, that we're going to use. So you already made it through selection that you're a legit athlete, right? Yep. You played college baseball. So that means you you have the capability of being really good at jujitsu. Oh yeah, a so lot of potential. Embrace that, man. And you know about getting tired. You know about training mm-hmm. hard and working hard, even outside of actually playing the sport. You know about that kind of stuff. So yeah, you're down selected probably in a couple of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, if but if you like I said, miss the camaraderie and drive to be the best, bro. Jump right <laughs> in, Hawaiian. Jump, jump in, in that competition, yeah. freaking yeah. training. Yeah, and See what right, that you, feels like. yeah, you can, and you can, and you'll have everything you need. I mean, obviously it depends on where you go. Of course, mm-hmm. but yeah, you go competition training, you get better and better, and that'll make you better. You go compete, you win, you got coaches, you got teammates pushing you. Oh man, yeah. oh, all day, all day, all day, all day. Awesome, man. Uh, thanks everybody. Thanks for joining us. Go to jocko.com and just get everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, we appreciate y'all being here. We appreciate you supporting the underground, the underground, and we'll be here. Regardless of what happens out there in the world, regardless of who gets canceled, banned, censored, it won't happen here. We'll be free on the underground. And until next time, this is Echo and Jocko.